Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Pensacola, Florida, it's time for I-10 Wired Radio, brought to you by IT Gulf Coast, Florida West, and App River. Okay, good morning, everybody. Keith over here, broadcasting live, and this is I-10 Wired Radio. And I am surrounded by, uh, I'm going to call them three cybersecurity experts. They all may feel differently, but uh, we're here today to uh, to just talk about, you know, that word that uh, you hear all the time. And I think people toss it around, but um, let's get into the nuts and bolts. And I'll let uh, you guys go around the table and introduce yourself, starting with uh, Michelle, please. Hi, I'm Michelle Ward. I'm the founder of CyberSafe Workforce. So prior to founding my company, I actually worked here on the Gulf Coast in cyber defense as a software engineer. Um, for over 10 years. And then now I'm taking that into my business and um, helping businesses protect themselves, basically educating their employees on um, the cyber threats and how they're a target and what they can do about it. And that's to protect their business, keep them in operations and, um, you know, protect their information and their clients. Fantastic. Go ahead, Doug. Thanks, Keith. Uh, Doug Underhill. I'm the uh, head of cybersecurity services for CSRA, an international corporation that uh, here in Pensacola is in support of uh, the Navy, but also the part that I work is uh, in support of the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, I come from a background of as a counterterrorism officer for 20 years with the Navy, uh, where we extensively use cyber, uh, the cyber domain as part of the global war on terror. Uh, and made the transition uh, from you know, a life spent overseas to being able to stay home and enjoy the Gulf Coast a little bit uh, by applying those uh, those same concepts that we did in, in the global war on terror in cybersecurity for Department of Homeland Security under the Einstein program. That's a whole lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> got an Einstein in the room. That's it. <laughs> My name is Jim Nitterauer. I'm uh, with App River. I've been in uh, Pensacola since 89 in the uh, IT world since about 1993. Started a business called Creative Data Concepts, web design, web hosting. Uh, morphed into Grid South. And finally, uh, App River took me in. Been with them since yeah. 2006. Uh, senior systems administrator there. So my job involves... Uh, dealing with our secure tide spam filtering environment and our secure surf and all of our internal applications and managing our 12 data centers worldwide. Yeah. Okay. So obviously cybersecurity is in all of your worlds pretty heavily, but let's put, let's put it down to layman terms like a guy like me. So what does it mean? It means not getting hacked. Yeah. <laughs> Why do I have to worry about getting hacked though? I'm just, you know, I've got a credit card and uh, you know i don't have i'm not up running tons of computer systems and all this other stuff so you like your money and you like your privacy well, i do right? like my money and i do like my privacy you, yes you don't like to give it away to people that yeah not, use not without a things. cost yeah right <laughs> yeah keith i think it's also important to understand that um you know in order for hackers to be able to do what they do they have to have uh, hot points they have to have freedom of maneuver on the internet mm-hmm. um and if uh if citizens who do not secure their own uh networks uh, businesses that don't secure their own networks. They're making it very easy for those things to happen. You become an enabling force for the bad guys. Uh, if we were, you know, and DHS is very uh, adamant about you know, cyber hygiene, uh, each user, each business, uh, making sure they lock down their networks. If all of us engaged in cyber hygiene, uh, uh, Brigadier General Tuhill, uh, you know, famously said at I-10 two years ago, if every one of us did uh, good cyber hygiene, mm-hmm. 80% of attacks, cyber attacks, would not be able to be executed. And just an aside, uh, Greg Tuhill was appointed four days ago as the Chief Information Security Officer of the United States by Barack Obama. 
So I-10 Wired had a little foresight in there 2014, <laughs> inviting him as one of our keynote yeah, speakers. You guys have been known to do that, huh? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And Go. so, um, you know, bringing it back to the the end user, you know, there's a there's a say, there's an acronym in information security called CIA: Confidentiality, Integrity, Availability, and all that means is that your personal information isn't revealed, you know, uh, without permission. It's mm-hmm. not changed without permission, and the systems that you use every single day are available when you need it. Um, we were just talking about this earlier when Delta had, you know, their major outage a few weeks back. That affected thousands of tens of thousands of people yeah. around the world. And that was because of IT systems going down and suddenly people couldn't fly anymore. So um, it really does affect people every single day. Yeah, I guess it is integrated in everything we do, right? I mean, we all carry a phone, right? So mm-hmm. at some point we're all, we're all vulnerable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, that's why with the the Cyberthon exercise, we're starting teaching our kids good cyber hygiene as middle schoolers. Uh, By the time you're in high school, we're teaching you really the skill sets and we're exercising the skill sets um, that companies like ours uh, need today and yesterday. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, let's talk about that a little bit more because I I am firmly from Generation X and and I am a true believer that ours is the generation that kind of got shafted here, right? By the time we but in fact, I think this is what my talk's going to be about for the uh, I-10, uh, um, uh, I can't even think of the name of the, the talk series that they're doing. The Ignite The talks. Ignite Talks, yeah. yes. So uh, by the time we could learn the technology, it was too old, right? By the time we got into the workforce, nobody had the manuals or any of that stuff written for it. But so, But now, I mean, like you're saying, everywhere from fifth grade on, I mean, even the universities, they're all making some adjustments to, to really get people used to this living. Yeah, there's no doubt that you, I mean, that your generation was the uh, the generation of change. Um, you know, it's certainly, your life is not that of your father's and it's yeah. certainly not that of your son's. So, um, you know, there, there, you were, no doubt that's when that took place. But I think that uh, it also created opportunities that quite frankly, I mean, opportunities that did not exist before. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is cyber racial, sorry. Um, you know, for two years, uh, evaluated me. I, I chatted with them almost daily. Uh, and it wasn't until he hit me up on uh, on LinkedIn that I saw a picture <laughs> of him and found out he was black. Yeah. You know, so it really, you know, although uh, you know, certainly it is a challenge for your generation, it's also that your generation in this time frame is transforming America. Yeah. But, you know, and even more so, I mean, just the education system, like knowing that there are things like Cyberthon and all this stuff happening from a fifth grade level on, I mean, we are really adjusting into this is our world and it's going to be, you know, obviously in the future, but where else do you guys see some of these changes happening? Everything that you do, I mean, you drive a car, for example, right? So DEFCON in, in uh, Las Vegas this year, there was a whole section, about 20,000 mm-hmm. square feet of the space was dedicated to hacking of automobiles. Yeah, what they were which, doing, is, which is a scary thought, but yes. it's obviously possible. So now, they were right? doing everything from you know, turning the car off to guiding the car to making things happen that distract the driver. Yeah. Um, but really, they could do anything they want with the car. You know, when we grew up, we had the old, you know, if we had power windows, we were lucky. Yeah. Right? We, we <laughs> yeah. had wings on the. And on, if you couldn't drive a stick, you were out for yeah. at least half of the car, you know, right? Seatbelts were a foreign idea to us. Yeah. Now, cars are electronic and, and people don't understand how much dependency those cars have on those built-in computers. Yeah. So everywhere you go, our life is impacted by computers. And just think about you know, your phone. Samsung just put out a new Note yeah, uh, 7 phone, right? Up the, now. <laughs> the explosive phone, right, which is now being recalled. So what are you going to do? They, they texted or emailed all of their customers and said, turn your phone off, don't use it. Right. 
how, how realistic is that? Sure. Right. And, um, you know, as consumers, it's so important to uh, start thinking about security and, and be, being an informed consumer and asking those questions. Because when you have all these internet connected devices, do you know what kind of um, information they're putting out there when you connect that device in your home network? Mm -hmm. um, for example, baby monitors. Sometimes um, they're ones that are internet connected. So you can, you know, look on your phone and, mm -hmm. and, and take a look and see inside your baby room. But um, did you change your password on that um, connection? And if you didn't mm -hmm. and you're just using the default password, anybody could possibly get into your camera and look inside your kid's room. Uh, so. Even beyond that, did the vendor take and do their due diligence before they sold you that device? There was a talk at DEF CON three years ago about one of those called a carrot. Mm -hmm. And even though the people had changed the username and password for it, she showed very quickly how they could intercept your data stream and view your room or anybody's room as long as they knew the account number. That's wow. all they had to do so they could fake it in the URL. Yeah, wow. So a lot of what we're talking about here is, you know, falls in that, that overarching category of the Internet of Things, right. um, you know, in which everything in our lives are, are interconnected. Uh, you know, the, uh, the host of, uh, of Shark Tank, uh, Rob Herkovic, a fairly famous uh, guy that's a uh, uh, entrepreneur in our field. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, besides, you know, Dancing with the Stars and all that other, you know, rock star stuff that he does. Uh, he was in town last week and spoke to the workforce at uh, DHS. Uh, and when asked, you know, point blank, what is the one thing that keeps you up at night, the thing that you worry about the most? He said it's the nexus between the cyber world and the real world. It's that that interconnectivity um, that that makes people able to create effects in the, in the real world right. from afar. Um, you know, and if you so if you think about that, that's your, uh, you know, uh, all your ICS or your integrated control systems, everything, you know, your power grid, all of those kind of things, um, you know. And as these jo as the as that becomes our new reality, and and in all honesty, at the federal government level, that is what is extremely important to us is securing the Internet right. of Things. Um, the opportunities, the job opportunities for a cyber effect or a cyber uh, element to what you already do um, is really creating a lot of of, of growth in our industry. Uh, if you're a, a Gulf Power guy and you you work on the power grid, you have to. It's not even an option anymore. You have to get smart in cyber and understand what your weaknesses are there. Yeah. All right. So let's just let's just throw some stuff out there. If I'm your normal everyday at home consumer, what are what is the information that's getting put out there that I may not even know about? Well, <laughs> um, there's a couple of things. Whether you put the information out there or not, your stuff is online probably, you know, right. public records. Um, sure, the computer's on 24 hours yeah, a day, right? Absolutely. So, um, but in your personal life, one thing you can do, um, and there are many, but like phishing is a huge thing. Everybody uses email, right? And chances are someday you're going to get a message that's not legitimate, but it's meant to look legitimate. It might get you to um, feel like you have to act real urgently. Mm -hmm. And so if you can begin to look at your email a little bit differently, and I'm actually giving an Ignite talk on this at I-10, um, you can avoid getting malware you know, mm -hmm. on your machine or giving out personal information. So that's that's one big way that people are getting scammed. Um, uh, doesn't my uh, antivirus and all that stuff take care of that? Though? No. no, no, it doesn't because it's hacking the human. Right, it, you know, yeah, it's, it's hacking our social engineering. Right, yeah, so exactly. something seems urgent. Right, it goes back to when we were growing up, Generation X, the buyer beware. Right, when you're buying mm -hmm. something from somebody, you're doing a face to face transaction. Sure. You're spending cash, writing them a check. You're 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 having that moment of separation from your money, so you're taking a little bit more time to think about the legitimacy of that transaction. 
Whereas everybody now is a microwave mentality, right? It's instant. I got this. I need to have this right away. Right. Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, right? Oh, I got this <laughs> bill from so-and-so. It's a PDF file. I, I don't remember this, but I better click on it and right. see what it is. Oh, by then it's too late. Your computer's now compromised and you have to pay to get your data back unless mm-hmm. you've backed it up correctly. So CSRA supporting the work that we do for DHS, a lot of what we do is the what we call root cause analysis. Once something bad has happened, I mean, we always like to think that we're you know, left of boom or ahead of boom, um, but we spend a lot of time doing root cause analysis. And in, I would say, almost 100% of the cases that I've done root cause analysis on, it comes down to uh, there's this one thread that runs through all, and that is password misuse. Um, I almost guarantee that half of your listeners right now have the default password set at their router at home, which means your router is my router. Um, you know, you have one password, the password reuse. So once I've cracked your password on one thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can, I, I know where you bank, I know where you do every, all of your business. And that's the first password I'm going to try. And quite frankly, I'm probably going to get, yeah, you know, right. I, once I get access to one thing, I've got access to everything. I mean, so that's good cyber discipline. Good. You know, the, the question really was for the average person. Yeah. Password so, discipline. <laughs> so most home routers that have Wi-Fi on them have a feature called WPS. Mm-hmm. It uses a four to eight digit code to allow you quick access to sure. your router. <laughs> it's a very bad idea. Anybody. So that, the little yellow sticker that comes on the side of mine, we should change it from what that is. You should turn that off <laughs> on your router. Do not put it on. It can be hacked in about five minutes yeah. or less. Okay. It's an eight-digit number. It's not rocket science to figure it out. Yeah. So, so once they some algorithm that, can get through it, huh? Very quickly. Once they have <laughs> that number, they can anybody can get on your Wi-Fi network yep. and sniff all of the traffic going out of your internet connection. Fantastic. So I don't know if anybody else is sitting here as scared as I am, but their head gears turning, going, "Oh, let me get home." And I mean, I'm thinking of a hundred things I could probably go home and change right now. Yeah, and you know, we don't want to scare people away from using technology because people have to use technology to get things done. Yeah. So it's very important. Um, just to give people enough information that they can feel empowered to make good decisions, you know, to choose the least risky option and to ask somebody when they're not sure. Yeah, a lot of it comes out. People will go and buy the fastest wireless router at the cheapest price when they should be asking the question, what is the most secure one? Mm -hmm. And they should be influencing security from the manufacturer's point of view by how they spend their dollars. But they're not doing that. Yeah, this, it's, I mean, those are two very good points. Then, First of all, you know, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, FUD. We sell a lot in this business historically with FUD. And uh, quite frankly, we, we have, as an industry, we have to get away from that. Um, and if that's all somebody has to offer you, um, you should walk away from that person. Uh, it's really not that hard. In fact, uh, you know, because in, in saying cyber, electrons never die and electrons never lie. Uh, it's actually it's actually a much safer environment. You just have to understand the rules. Uh, driving a car is safe, but if you don't know how to drive a car, driving a car is not safe. Right. right. Uh, yeah. And cyber is exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. So there really is no need to be uh, afraid of it at all. Um, it's just a matter of doing the, you know, having a little bit of academic rigor uh, and getting past your own fears uh, and seek out the information. You know, seek out how to do it right. We're not talking about something that requires it. You, know, you don't have to hire a special mm-hmm. uh, nerd at your house. Um, you know, we're talking about maybe a couple hours. Uh, of, of well, and you have the, the best research tool at your exposure, the internet, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can just read. There's plenty of forms. Yeah, but there. how do I know what's true and what's not, right? Because you type <laughs> in cybersecurity on Google and uh, you'll be there for years trying to trying to get through some of that information. According to the commercials, if it's on the internet, it's true. Well, that's right. <laughs> right? Well, sure. <laughs> which, which true is true though, right? Yeah. So, uh, go ahead, sorry. 
I, I was just going to say that term cybersecurity even turns people off. Like you say cybersecurity and a person who's not in the field, like you can see their eyes glaze over. Yeah. So when you talk about instead, you know, protecting um, their online presence or protecting their information or online safety, for example, is probably a better way to phrase that. Um, you know, not not everyone knows how to change, you know, the password on their router, per se. And like you said, there's a lot of good information mm-hmm. out there. And in a way, um, even though I focus more on uh, helping businesses secure their, their workplaces, we almost need to design an easy button for now, things like that. The problem has right? become our society's gotten to the point where they're not responsible for how they behave with the things that they have. Right. And it's incumbent upon people, like, like Doug was saying, if you're going to drive a car, you have to learn how to drive that car. You have to pay for insurance. You have to follow the rules of the road. All of those things give you the privilege of driving an automobile. The problem in IT is people go buy a wireless router, plug it into their cable modem. They have no clue what it's doing, and they plead ignorance because I don't want to learn. It's too much trouble. Right. It's too hard. It's not hard. And the problem is we're not pushing the responsibility to businesses, to manufacturers, and to the individual, like Doug was saying earlier, to secure their networks. Yeah. You know, it, they'll say, well, it's somebody else's problem. Well, no, it's not. It's your problem. Yeah. Yeah, and specifically to your question, though, um, you know, Department of Homeland Security has, I mean, that's that's one of its core tenets of its mission. So you're already paying for cyber nerds to figure this out for you, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the form of your taxes. Uh, so it, it, for those listeners who, you know, you know, don't know where to start, and it's true, you hit the Google, you hit the search yeah, button. and you're like, and, I'm just confused. Yeah, the first mm-hmm. two or three pages are going to be advertisements of somebody trying to sell you something based on your fear, uncertainty, mm-hmm. and doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the federal government does not make any money famously. Uh, we don't, <laughs> the federal government doesn't sell anything. And so DHS really is the, is your, um, your kind of agnostic purveyor of fact right. uh, in, in this realm. And so I, I think that's actually a great place to start, mm-hmm. uh, not just as the, uh, uh, for the individual, but also for the businesses. Um, you know, a business is going to be able to take better advantage of a CSRA or an app river mm-hmm. by being smart enough to ask the questions, you know, to, to come and ask the right yeah. questions. And then you can sift through those uh, would be service providers uh, based on those answers, and yeah. uh, and it really DHS is a great place to start with that information. One of the base problems, Doug's talking about the the FUD, right? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. People will buy things based on fear, and that's the no. wrong reason. So the question <laughs> in security is how much security is enough, right? What's the answer? Uh, I don't know. Just enough. Just enough. <laughs> Just enough, right? Because security costs money, right? Sure. She was talking about the CIA, the the. the confidentiality, integrity, and availability. Mm-hmm. Every time you implement security, it's going to reduce availability. It's going to slow things down. It right. may increase, but th- that balance is a three-legged stool, right? If one leg's shorter than the other, the stool yeah. is going to fall over, right? So in, 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 in the IT, people have to realize security needs to be based on risk, right? So a home user is not going to go out and spend $20,000 on a router, firewall, Mm-hmm. intrusion prevention device to protect their home network because the cost-benefit analysis doesn't work out. Right. But at the same time, they're going to go, well, I'm going to go and spend cheap. It doesn't well, work out either. It doesn't work out either, right? So what, what's it cost you if your identity gets stolen? What's it cost you if somebody hacks into one of the devices in your home and yeah. burns up your TV? Yeah, and if your provider that you're talking to can't articulate, can't listen to your business practices enough to really understand what you do so that he's selling you the right thing, um, then that's probably a company that that is not going to be the the mission partner that you're yeah. looking for. How do I know that? I mean, I mean, how do I know? Because I, 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 all I know is cybersecurity. And yeah, okay, so I've done some some research on on the DHC site, but or DHS site. But I mean, how do I 
how do I really know if the guy down the street's telling me what he, what I'm supposed to be heard or what's real? Well, the first thing that, that he should ask you is what do you need? You know, let's talk about your business. What do you do on a day-to-day basis? Um, you know, what, how do you connect to the internet? Mm-hmm. How many people do you have working for you? How do they connect? Mm-hmm. And just get an idea of your entire environment. And then he should be able to tailor solutions for you. So that's something that I do um, in CyberSafe Workforce. And I'm very happy to be able to go into these different organizations. I ask them about their security controls. I ask them about their top concerns. I look at their use policies. And I spend that, that little extra time because no two environments are the same. Business A over here locks everything down. Users can't bring in phones. They can't bring in USBs. There's no media. They can't take their laptop top back and forth. Mm-hmm. And business B over here allows everybody to do that. So their risk level is a little bit different. And we have to address those, you know, through some of their policies. But but from our point of view, helping uh, employees understand what's risky and how to um, choose the least risky option. And every business is willing to tolerate risk at a different level, right? Yeah. So if you have to be HIPAA compliant, your risk tolerance is going to be a whole lot less than a mom and pop shop at mm-hmm. home or in a small business setting. But what are you willing to lose and what's the trade-off that you need to spend to protect that asset? Yeah. yeah. So you're talking, it, 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 that is just, you, very rarely do you have people actually talking about <laughs> risk the right way. Right. Um, you know, because, uh, you know, when, in, when CSRA supports the federal government, you know, we can't measure a loss or a failure by dollars. Sure. We're not an, an income-producing in, entity. Um, so CSRA has to measure, when we measure risk, we measure risk to the network. You know, that's the obvious IT part of it. But you also have to be able to measure and articulate risk to business practice. And if your IT service providers, if the people that you're talking to only want to talk about the nerd stuff, you know, the fun stuff mm-hmm. that we, you know, that we, mm-hmm. it keeps us up at night and we like to play around with on the weekends. Uh, and I, by the way, I use nerd as a, as a, a badge of honor in my home. So yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I think most of the cyber guys I know would use it as their badge yeah, of honor. Know, as well. So, uh, so we, we got beat up for it in high school, but now it's our badge of honor. That's it. Um, but uh, no, the, uh, if they, if all they can talk to you about is risk to the, uh, to the ones and zeros or risk to the equipment, then they're not really understanding that that stuff is just a tool you use to mm-hmm. do your business. They need to understand your business well enough to measure risk to business practice. Uh, and, you know, when we, in support of the federal government, that's how CSRA has to do it, you know, constantly because mm-hmm. there you do actually, you know, believe it or not, you take a company like Amazon, um, they may know that they've got a bad guy in their network, a nefarious actor in their network, and they may be losing a million dollars a minute. But if the alternative of having to take that network down is going to lose them $2 million a minute, mm-hmm. they may make the risk choice, the sure, decision yeah. to go ahead and continue to do business. Or it may cost them you know, $2 million a minute to protect that. They're not going to, they're not going right. to spend that money. Right. They'll, they'll lose the million. You know, and as a cybersecurity person, it's not my job, uh, and we should always stay out of that business practice decision on the part of the client. Um, we articulate the risk to the network and the mm-hmm. risk to their business, and we let them make the choice. Now, they may say, hey, I want my people to be able to have their phones and their iPads and everything right here. Okay, well, it creates this level of risk. They say, well, okay, I still mm-hmm. want to do it. Then it's our job to come up with other measures. You know, we have the layers of defense and depth that mm-hmm. allow for multiple ways to create the same level of protection. Yeah, the only risk that's not acceptable to let a client continue with is the risk that they say they reject. That's the ostrich approach, sticking mm-hmm. your head in the sand, yeah, saying, right. well, that risk is never going to hit me. Well, no, you have, sure. to, you either have to accept, you have to accept the risk, you have to mitigate the risk, or you have to transfer the risk. One of those three things, right? right? 
but to deny that it exists. Yeah, that's that's, uh, that's is, not is, acceptable. Is we actually have a term for that person. It's called victim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that mentality doesn't play too well out here. So. No. no, but that's that's unfortunately the mentality a lot of people take. It's never going to happen to me. Yeah. And then it does, and then and, it's too late. Or it already has, and yeah. they just don't know it. All right, well, so let's talk about already has. How do I know? Like, can I go home today and open the laptop and, and see if there's a possibility that I've already been so, you know, hacked or jacked yes or whatever? Yes no. There's So you've heard about all of these hacks from Dropbox and these other people getting their mm-hmm. password All things that stolen. I use. Yeah, so there's a site, I think it's called haveibeenpwned.com. Mm-hmm. You can go in and put your email address in there, and it will tell you what P-O-N-E. account. P-O-N-E. P-W-N-E-D, I think, or P-W-N, just, It's yeah. a Troy Hunt product, yeah. so if you search on him as well, yeah. I think you'll get it. Okay. So you can go look up your email address, and it will tell you from all of the databases that they have aggregated of all of these stolen passwords whether your password has been exposed. Okay. And if it has, then you probably need to change your password. Okay. And then what else? I mean, uh, how, am I, how do I go through the computer to make sure there's nothing else on there? You may not know. You may not know. <laughs> so one of the things, like, not not promoting AppRiver's particular service, sure. but one of the things that we offer is a DNS filtering service. So with that, then we start to see all of... DNS is what makes the internet work, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't type in IP addresses. You type in a name, google.com, right. microsoft.com, whatever. That gets translated into an IP address through DNS. Well, somewhere your DNS is getting logged, either by your ISP or if AppRiver's doing it or there's other services... Mm-hmm. We can log those DNS requests, and immediately we can see when the software that does bad things on your computer right. is trying to phone home and connect to its command and control network. So we're able to see that through monitoring your DNS traffic. Okay. Yeah, I will tell you from the, the DSS, DHS and the CSRA posture is that if it's a network and it's connected to the Internet, we assume it to be mm-hmm. uh, have, having been compromised to right. some extent. Um, you know, the question is, is it, is it compromised in such a way that somebody else is able to violate my, my CIA, um, you know, from home, you know, I, I will tell you, if you haven't changed your password in, in 30 days, you haven't changed your Do password it, huh? in 90 days, mm-hmm. then yes, you probably have been, I mean, you, you should assume that you are, um, you know, the, and, now is that all my passwords or just the password to the router or, or, you know, good discipline says all of them. <laughs> change all of your passwords. So. So uh, it's interesting. There was a talk at besides Las Vegas about passwords and password length. Mm-hmm. The, the critical factor is password length and complexity. It's not the frequency with which you change your passwords. Mm-hmm. Most people will put in a password that's short and they can remember it. Like, sure. So I don't have to some, have nine pages some, of things. some part of their name, their dog's name, and some year or number that's that's uh, particular to them. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is, what does Facebook and all these others ask you? as questions for figuring out what your passwords are. Password reminder questions, right? Right. Well, there's a strong parallel between those. The better solution is to come up with a long password, like a password phrase. They're essentially uncrackable, and then they're much easier to remember, right? But then Mm -hmm. you have to not use the same password phrase for your banking and your your Dropbox. and They all need to be different. Yeah. So, and then, so what about like um, Google and all that stuff wanting to remember your password for you so it's easy to get back in the next time? Google just changed how they do that. It used to be stored in clear text on your computer. Mm-hmm. Now it's stored encrypted on your computer and you have to have a password to unlock it. Mm-hmm. I still would not do it. Yeah. Okay. If, if your key is in the conch shell right next yeah. to your house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. in the fake rock next then, to the plants. Yeah. Yes. Because uh, yeah. you know, nobody ever keeps it in the yeah. fake rock. Or right? the magnet um, thing up under your gas camp. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Okay. If, if you're doing <laughs> physical security that way, yeah. um, then uh, then you know, continue to, to 
to be lax about mm-hmm. passwords. Sure. Passwords I, really are the key to the house. I would even go to the extent of using a completely different browser for all of your personal banking and things that are mission critical to you mm-hmm. and separate that from the browser you use to browse everything else. So this is where like the defense in depth, you mm-hmm. know, the layered security comes yeah. into play because on one hand, we want you to create a strong password. And I did a talk on this um, last year at uh, I-10. It's a quick five minute talk about four steps to a stronger password. And that's that solves one problem, which is creating a complex password that can't be easily guessed or cracked, right? Um, the other thing, though, is that you have to now remember that. And mm-hmm. now with with our the formula I came up with, I believe you can. Um, but if we're asking you to do too many difficult things, chances are you're not going to do them. Like if you have to have a strong password for every single different account, you might go crazy because you probably have a lot. But the important thing is... Um, the most important accounts you have, like your email, because it gets you into all of your other accounts, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, your Anything that has to do with finances, your bank, for example, or anything tied to your bank, like PayPal, Apple Pay, Google Pay, whatever. Um, strong passwords for those. Um, and, and different ones for each one right, of those accounts. Right, different ones for each one of those accounts. The other thing, though, is if you have good cyber hygiene and you're aware of some of the common scams things out there, then you may be able to get away with some password reuse on other sites mm-hmm. because you won't be tricked into giving out your password to a fake website. That's where like the phishing uh, recognition comes in and being able to, you know, just recognize when you're on a legitimate website and when you're not on a sure. legitimate yeah. website. Yeah. Going back to your original, yeah, how, how would I know um, that, I've, that I've been hit? One of the common things is if you go to log into a website and then, and you know you typed in the right password and it takes you right back to that login. Mm-hmm is a very common login capture methodology that the oh. screen you thought you were logging mm-hmm, into sure. um, was malware and not it, but it looked exactly like your, yep. you know, uh, like your banking site or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, you know, if you, you know, man, I'm pretty sure I got that right. You find yourself, mm-hmm. you know, uh, right. k- getting kicked back to a, a, a page, yeah, your login page. That's that's something to be very careful of. Uh, that should be a red flag. Uh, you yeah. know, and you talked about the the phishing as well. Uh, I, th- I thought that the uh, you know, there is there's quite a little bit of a body of knowledge out there of things to look for in terms of phishing emails. Um, before you click on that email, call the person that sent it. Hey, did you just send me something? Mm-hmm. You know, if it if you if it hits one of those if it's hinky, if it's got one of those red mm-hmm. flags in it, misspellings. Um, you know, generalized ideas. You probably one of the one of the safest things you can do is use your mouse cursor and put it over every hyperlink and look at the hyperlink. If it's supposed to be from Bank of America and right. it has some strange looking domain right. name that doesn't look like Bank of America, don't click it. Right. <laughs> yeah. There is no Bank of America dot ru. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Right. Well, and then and then the other side of it is sometimes just opening the email. You've already been dinged, right? Not necessarily. Yeah, so. I- the emails you have to watch out for are the ones that um, want you to take some kind of action. For example, open this attachment, download mm-hmm. this attachment, um, click on this link, go out to the site where you're going to you know, put in your password mm-hmm. or put in your credit card information. So anytime you get an email that um, wants you to take an action, ask yourself, did I expect to get this email? And the definition of an expected email is very precise. I just ordered something online. I immediately got the receipt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just got off the phone with my coworker who said she was going to send me a file. I got that from my coworker. I sat, you know, I subscribed to a newsletter. It comes at the same time uh, on the same day of the week. Nothing about it looks suspicious. No. Anything else is an unexpected email. Mm-hmm. Anything else. Now, one of the is things that, that drives me nuts is uh, banks are terrible about security. Like 
getting a mortgage, they will send you your tax forms and all of your applications in your plain email, clear text. <laughs> they don't use encrypted email. Mm-hmm. Encrypted email is available. There's even free encrypted email services and they don't do it. So now suddenly your bank says, oh, fill out this application and email it back to me. Well, you know, Joe Consumer says, okay, it's cool to do that. Well, if somebody happens to be sniffing your internet connection Go or ahead. anywhere in between, they're going to get those documents, which have your social security number, your, your name, your tax forms mm-hmm. in there. Suddenly your identity becomes uh, very easy to, to simulate. It's all the data necessary yeah. to answer the security so, questions. Yeah. Yeah, so right. so what, what, return, what the consumer needs to be asking is, hey, bank, why are you sending me this in clear text? And don't take from the bank manager, well, that's just the way our bank does it. He said, no, we're not going to send you personal information right. by unencrypted email. So let's talk about, like, obviously, some of the most easy free email users, the, the Googles, the AOL. A, if still People still use AOL, and I know they do because I think my mom still has an account. <laughs> um, but the Yahoos and the Hotmails and all that, are those encrypted? Are those? It, no. Okay. In fact, if you read your Gmail terms of service, Gmail specifically states since it's a free service, they have the right to scan all of the content of your messages. So you want to talk yeah. about privacy. So several months ago, there was an article appeared, I think it was a PC magazine, about some guy that was playing a game on his iPad at a um, party. Mm-hmm. And they were using the timer on the iPad. And they were. it was one of these games like uh, the one with the cards where it was kind of risque talk mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. So the next day, Cards Against Humanity, yes, which it is was a great that. game, by the so, way. <laughs> so he was doing that, playing that game. And the next day, he started browsing on Chrome on his iPad. Uh-huh. And ads started popping up that were related to the topics they yeah. had talked about at the game. Did a little digging. Chrome, when it's installed on your iPad, turns the microphone on by default and listens to your conversations in the room and uses that information to target advertising. Now, that's scary. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. what else can they use that information for? Sure. So Siri on your iPhone, great little tool, mm-hmm. right? Whenever you push that button and talk to Siri, that conversation and everything in the room is being sent out sure. to Apple's computers. So I've noticed a couple of times my phone will automatically just, like the Google voice will pop up like it's searching. Like I set a trigger word mm-hmm. for it to turn on, but I don't remember saying a trigger <laughs> yeah. word. So it's it, it's kind of interesting when you look at the privacy discussion that has been rather famous since the Snowden event um, that... You know, always so much, so much concern about what the government is watching and looking right. for. Um, and I, I mean, in my reserve uh, capacity, I'm a, I'm a Navy commander in the reserves, uh, and I'm the intelligence oversight officer for the entire uh, in, uh, intelligence reserves in the Navy. And uh, I can tell you that there's this extraordinary, just layers upon layers of oversight, discipline, um, uh, and and you know, checking up on one another to make sure that the government doesn't violate mm-hmm. uh, your rights and privacy. Uh, and the same thing happens over at the DHS side. I mean, things that you don't normally take you 10 minutes, take us 10 hours because sure. of the amount of oversight for privacy. Uh, and yet in the private sector, you know, the, the people who are actually, you know, really in your business, uh, it, nobody's mentioning that at all. Mm-hmm. Nobody brings those things up. Um, you know, are they doing it for nefarious reasons? Obviously not. They're doing it with the intent of selling you something. Uh, and, and perhaps they are, uh, that this whole concept is making, the whole shopping process and the yeah. meeting the meeting of material needs um, is getting much faster, um, you know. But uh, but people need to be aware of that. Uh, that if a if Google is capable of doing that for good reasons, uh, that means that an mm-hmm. adversary is capable of doing the very mm-hmm. same thing to you for bad reasons. Oh yeah, I mean, many applications do that. Facebook Messenger. People think yep. that 
uh, Instagram and Snapchat photos go away right after they've been viewed. Not necessarily. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> electrons never die and electrons never lie. <laughs> it's all about where they're housed, right? Yeah. And it's not whether the consumer perceives that they're getting value from a service. On one hand, you know, it's nice to make them aware that these are the pieces of information that are being collected, which is often stored in the terms of use that people just click through and say yes. agree. Um, but at the same time, you know, someone might say, okay, well, this microphone is on and listening, but it's really helping me out, you know, my day to day getting things done. I'm okay with that. You know, I trust mm-hmm. this brand. I'm I'm okay with that. I just won't say, you know, certain things <laughs> around my phone, for example. So the consumer has to make that choice. And it goes back to the, you know, the risk. Um, what's acceptable for you? It's acceptable for the business. The, the buyer beware. Lately, a specific cell phone provider, which I won't name, has put on some commercials about unlimited data now mm-hmm. on their plans. Well, they, it's like this revelation. We can't control our data. Once we reach this limit, we're, you know, we're paying all this money. Well, the, the solution makes it seem like the data is completely unlimited. Mm-hmm. If you read the fine print on the screen, it says data throttled at 128 kilobits per second or 2G speed, which is essentially unusable. But the consumer is looking at, oh, wow, I can get into mm-hmm. this plan and never have to worry about data. Yeah, until you get to a certain point. And then, and then they realize this phone doesn't work. Yeah. Interesting to see this theme come back every time to individual responsibility. Mm-hmm. Almost everything we've talked about from your, uh, your you know, uh, getting into this trade mm-hmm. or advancing in this trade um, to securing your home to uh, purchasing a phone, uh, the individual responsibility is the one thing that people are always trying to tell you they're going to take care of it for you. But at the end of the day, it's the one thing that is always, always your mm-hmm. responsibility. And it has to be. I think I think the one thing that we've definitely shown here, whether we meant to or not, was that you just can't trust anybody else to be responsible for it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and if if you don't know whether you're being protected, well then that's kind of your own fault because nobody else is gonna tell you you are, right? Right. Well, he was talking about you know, uh, accepting risk, shifting risk. There is one risk that you cannot shift, and that is the the risk for your own personal accountability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and the funny thing is, you know, cyber has made that uh, you know, we think the world's more dangerous now, but that truth, that was true 2000 years ago. It was mm-hmm. true 50 years mm-hmm. ago. Um, you know, that fact of, of individual responsibility, uh, has, has remained true throughout time and cyber, all cyber has done is has speeded up the time to consequence, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. the, the flash to bang, yeah. um, mm-hmm. for failing to really, uh, engage in, in your personal responsibility. Yeah. Well, look, as we're getting to the end of our time here, but I want to go around the horn, let you give out uh, contact information and all that good stuff so people can now call you, find you, pester you, ask you questions. Because <laughs> I know I'll probably get 10 when we're done here today. So go ahead, Michelle. Okay. So you can uh, find me um, at hello at cybersafeworkforce.com. My website's at cybersafeworkforce.com. And if you are responsible for security in your organization um, and you want some free resources, you can just go to our blog at blog.cybersafeworkforce.com. So Doug Underhill with CSRA, the easiest way to get a hold of me is douglas.underhill at csra.com. Um, we are one of the largest cyber companies and, and you know, hiring routinely. Uh, I will tell you that even people that I'm not bringing on here uh, at, at CSRA, uh, I am more than happy to advise and help them uh, because I want to make the, uh, um, you know, the, the employee of the year for App River. Mm-hmm. If I can do something to get to, <laughs> to, to help uh, you know, the, the 2018 employee of the year at App River yeah. uh, get to where he's going. Uh, I'm always happy to give that time. My yeah. number is uh, 850-281-1981. And Doug hangs out a lot here, so if you just hang out with us, you're bound to see him once or <laughs> twice. <laughs> and you can reach me at Jim, J-I-M, easy enough, at appriver.com. 
and uh, or at jnitter hour on Twitter. Yep. Or all of you are going to be at I10 Wired. Yes, of course. Yeah. Couldn't miss so, it. Um, if you're interested. Wait, what's I10 Wired? Yeah. When, when is it? Yeah. <laughs> so I10Wired.com, and that's I10, I-T-E-N. So uh, go check it out. Guys, I want to thank all of you for coming in today and uh, being part of this um, fantastic subject that, honestly, we could probably spend weeks on, right? Because mm-hmm. it just doesn't stop. So. Well, we spend uh, at least 40 hours a week yeah. every week. On, every week, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so uh, guys, if you're interested, you can find us at i10wired.businessradiox.com. Or, again, you can reach out to any of the three experts here today. Thank you, guys, and have a great day. This show is brought to you by IT Gulf Coast, Florida West, and App River. If you are interested in sponsoring I-10 Wired Radio, please call 850-288-9959.